It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Thunder Podcast, part of the Locked Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Brady Trantham, and it's Wednesday. We haven't done a crossover segment for two weeks because of uh, either my schedule with 107.7 The Franchise or somebody else's schedule. You know, these things happen, but there's 82 games. Like We will be fine. We will have plenty of crossover segments to come because I know a lot of people appreciate them. But today is probably... <sighs> You know, John Hamm, everybody knows who this guy is, um, especially if you've been a Thunder fan for X amount of years. Everybody knows who John Hamm is. Everybody loves John Hamm. Um, so there's really nothing more else to say about him because, I mean, he's currently looking for his child in his neighborhood. <laughs> so um, <laughs> in, in the snowy apocalypse, I mean, for all Oklahoma City-based listeners, you, you fully are aware of what the weather is like right now. But for everybody that's listening to this podcast outside of the state, um, it's snowing. It's actually snowing this winter. I can't believe it. But John, uh, update on the uh, search for your child. Um, no sign yet. I'm I personally. I'm not concerned. I'm sure everything <laughs> is cool. Um, so yeah, like I generally know like who he's with and and you know where the location might be. So you know I'm just doing that typical dad stuff, or I'm just being an extra set of eyes right now. Well, there you go. Like that's um, that type of vigilance is probably why you are a franchise Thunder insider uh, with one hundred seven point seven the franchise, one hundred seven nine in Tulsa. You are also an esteemed member of the OKC Dream Team podcast, along with uh, Andrew Schlecht, Brett Dawson of the Athletic, who now covers the Lakers, uh, Royce Young of ESPN, uh, Fred Katz pops in from time to time, former Dream Team member. Am I missing anybody else? You guys have a uh, you guys have a nice starting five, but it is it's just as small probably as what Houston's going with right now. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so we also, as part of the OKC Dream Team, we also have Thunder After Dark. Uh, which you have, uh, you know, graced us with your presence on before. And uh, we get uh, a lot of help from Mikey Barra, who is also uh, oh, yes. super knowledgeable and just so Italian. So <laughs> super Italian. Remember when people on the Internet thought he was from India? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, s- like I, somewhere else. <laughs> I don't know how they came up with that. Right. I don't know where they came up with that. No. But, uh, yeah. And I, I've met Mikey before. Uh, we met, or uh, we got to hang out with him two years ago at Summer League. And I can say, just kind of with the Houston connection of what they're trying to do right now with their starting five, uh, you're the tallest one of the Dream Team, John. So you're going to be getting a lot of burn at the five. So I hope you're ready. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's a good thing I'm very switchy. Uh, that's what matters these days. You're, yes. the, you're the PJ Tucker of the Dream Team. That's awesome. Yeah, my shoulder hurts. Um, I'm playing far too many minutes out of position. Like, seriously, remember a few years ago when PJ Tucker was the Thunder Solution for shooting guard? Exactly. Well, like, that was. <laughs> Fans were were all up about that, and uh, my how times have changed. Times have changed, and times have changed in just the last eight to nine to ten hours. Uh, finally, a trade went down, and what you know it, it was a four-team deal with 12 players involved, which uh, according to reports, and you, you might remember this a little bit better than I do, John, because I was nine or ten at the time when this happened, but the largest trade uh, in the NBA since 2000 when the Knicks – move Patrick Ewing to the Seattle Supersonics. That was, uh, that was a, so of course I was a big Knicks fan at that time. Yep. Uh, super unhappy that Patrick Ewing was being traded. And like all summer, there were different iterations of trades. Like at one point, like Detroit was going to be involved, but then Dallas came in, Mark Cuban, you know, put $3 million into a deal and blew up one potential trade. And like several iterations later, they finally pulled off this trade. But, I think they may be overlooking. Remember when Antoine Walker and James Posey were traded? It was like a five-team trade, and there was probably more than twelve players in that trade. Yeah, um, I think I think that's when Miami got Antoine Walker from Boston. Yeah, that was because um, I was actually that actually popped in my head last night. I remember that one being just a whole bunch of all I care about is Miami got X, Y, and Z because there were just too many moving parts for me to like understand. Well, at the time when I was, right. I'd been fourteen or fifteen when that trade went down. Um, I yeah. was just like, great, Miami's getting all the old guys that they should have got three or four years ago. But, oh, well, maybe this will work. <laughs> yeah. And, and it and worked. It they turned got out okay. Yeah, they yeah. got, a, they got yeah. a ring. Yeah. Now, it turned out all right. Now, I'll just ask you this real quick, going back to that trade with Patrick Ewing. Are there any fingerprints from that trade that, uh, I guess, showed themselves when Sam Presti took over um, as GM for the Seattle Supersonics and eventually the franchise moved to Oklahoma City. Was there anything from that trade that, you know, became this? So, you know, you always hear the thing about how Serge Ibaka became Paul George. Paul George became Shea <laughs> right. Gilles-Alexander and all these draft picks. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. So, Seattle, I mean, that was in 2000. So, that was a good, what, six or seven years before Presti took over. Yeah. I, I don't think there was a lot of prospects in that trade. I think a lot of the stuff Seattle got in addition to Ewing um, was basically kind of fringe NBA players. So I don't I don't think there was anything left over for Sam to later move for a second-round pick that turned into five first-round picks down the road. So not that I'm aware of, but I could be wrong. Well, and yes, everybody, this is Locked on Thunder. We will get to like more specific Thunder stuff. But, I mean, the trade did go down last night, and it does maybe have a little bit to do with Oklahoma City. We'll segue into that a little bit later. But, John, I just want to get your take on – what exactly – excuse me, I can't talk because it's cold outside apparently, but what exactly <laughs> Daryl Morey and the Houston Rockets are doing because it seems like they won a game last week with nobody taller than six foot six and thought, hey, this is a great idea. Let's do this now. That's right. not exactly what the thought process is. Clint Capella has long been rumored to be uh, uh, being a trade piece over the last two to, two to three seasons that I can remember. Um, so they finally found a place to move him to. He goes to Atlanta. Houston gets Robert Covington. Now, I mean, a part of me is kind of appreciating this craziness of, yeah, we're just going to have Isaiah Harkinstein as our seven-foot center and then run a mm -hmm. lot of P.J. Tucker at the five, maybe even run Russell 
at the five. They did that on that in that one game that they won without Clint Capella last week, where they played him at the five uh, defensively. And Thunder fans should be fully aware that when Russell has to defend the low post, he's not bad. He's physical and he's strong. He can hold his own. But same at, with Harden. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but as much as I want to like jump jump in on this crazy train, the thought of Houston matching up with Utah and then Rudy Gobert just feasting on them, I can't get that out of my mind. And the Lakers, uh, who are going to go with Anthony Davis and one other big for a lot of you know for a lot of that game. Um, you know, one thing I thought of last night is the idea of you should zag when everyone is zigging or yeah. or vice versa. And maybe Houston has just sort of decided, you know what? Let's let's just let's lean into this completely. Let's go all threes. Let's go super small. Let's try to make other teams adapt to us for a change. Uh, because as you mentioned, you know, even with Capella, I mean, James Harden, whenever they would play Oklahoma City, Harden was guarding Stephen Adams in the low post, right? Um, so, I get. I, I in a sense, I kind of get where they're going. I'm far more concerned, Brady, about. You know, playing these guys 38, 40 minutes a night in January and February, running these seven and eight man rotations and then getting to the playoffs. I, I'm far more concerned. Maybe it would work with more depth. Maybe it would be crafty enough. But I'm I just feel like some of these guys are just going to be broken <laughs> come yeah. April and, and if they make it to May. Yeah, that's always been like you, you've been adamant about that with Mike D'Antoni offenses or Mike D'Antoni teams. Just heavy yeah. minutes, uh, a small rotation, and by the time you get to the playoffs, everybody's a little burnt out. But then when you also right. remember, their two best players, Russell Westbrook, I mean, what has his postseason history been like the last three years? It is what it is. What has James mm -hmm. Harden's postseason history been? It is what it is as well. It, there's not a lot of optimism. So to me, and I don't know if this is hot takeish, John, but this seems like the last hurrah for a guy like Daryl Morey. This is basically him just saying, screw it. I'm on my last leg here. I'm just going to go all in with what I've always wanted to do, which is just play absolutely small, have a bunch of wings that can shoot, have a physical, some physical guards, physical wings, and a physical big somewhat with P.J. Tucker and just see if that works. Yeah, and that could very well be it. And, again, it, it is an out-of-the-box strategy, which I appreciate. You know, years ago, uh, it was weird that Amari Stoudemire was the center and Sean Marion the power forward oh, yeah. in a league – you know, where like the Rockets were starting Yao Ming and Calvin Cato. Okay. Like, <laughs> you know, th there is, I, I don't think it's completely crazy. It, it does kind of feel like a little bit like Golden State did this years ago with Don Nelson uh, when he was the head coach. You know, they would downsize and that was totally radical at the time. So, you know, there's some value to it. I, is it going to pay off in those ultimate goals that they have? I, I'm a little dubious about that because, again, you know, I just feel like that at a certain point, as you mentioned, a Rudy Gobert and Anthony Davis, you know, somewhere along the way, we'll see what the Clippers wind up doing. Um, you know, Montrez Harrell, my gosh, you know, <laughs> he's going to have some fun, you know, against some of those lineups. Um, I don't know. We'll have to see if, if Houston can muster up enough to uh, to make up for that. Hey, guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Lockdown Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? 
Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And I guess, like, assuming that the Thunder don't do much at the trade deadline tomorrow, um, with the roster intact moving forward... You've got to think there's going to be somewhat of an adjustment period with this new Houston lineup, and they haven't played with Clint Capella over the last week, so I mean, not I guess not as much as you would you might think, but acclimating new players and especially players into new roles, you know, because some of these guys have to accept new roles now, like on the fly, which is yep. not necessarily something that players like Russell Westbrook, James Harden have to do at the trade deadline. They're just adding pieces to their team already, um, so I would think. In the short term, this does open up an opportunity for Oklahoma City to climb up in the standings a little bit, considering that their uh, next four games all at home, one of them being Boston, the other three being very manageable. I mean, this is a good opportunity for Oklahoma City that if they want to make some noise in the postseason, gobble up some wins now while other teams are still trying to uh, recalibrate at the trade deadline. And then when they do recalibrate, the, the amount of time that it takes them to kind of get in rhythm together, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's valid. And, you know, again, we'll see what Oklahoma City does. Um, you know, there are some uh, indications like uh, I, I forgot where I read it last night. Um, gosh, was it, it must have been in, in, in The Athletic. I think it was Chris Kirshner in The Athletic who covers the Hawks. Um, basically, you know, the Hawks, of course, trade for Clint Capella, which takes them out of the market for Stephen Adams. And, uh, you know, Kirshner said basically that, that the read he's getting is that Adams is, is not going anywhere, which should make Thunder fans like super excited out there. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, maybe this team stays mostly intact. Um, and I mean, again, this Thunder team has shown that they can, uh, you know, <laughs> they can juggle injuries and missing players and, and still not miss a beat. So, you know, maybe that's going to be in their favor. Can I go back to one quick thing on oh, Houston real quick? I just thought about this, and, and I, I think I tweeted about this last night. Think about this. They traded Capella and a couple other salaries that were not needed and a first-round pick to get Robert Covington. Yeah. You know, uh, this is, once again, uh, you know, shedding, uh, ditching a first-round pick. You know, yeah, they gave away two uh, to get Russell Westbrook, your protected picks. But, once again, moving a first-round pick to dump some salary to get under the luxury tax, um, that, that is a thing going on in Houston. Yeah, I mean there there is a beauty in GMs and front offices basically like physically going all in, very visibly going all in like what Daryl Morey is doing. I mean, people thought Sam Presti should have done that back when Kevin Durant was still with the team. Mm-hmm. They would do it in some ways. They wouldn't go all in like most people right. wanted, but it opens the door for where the Thunder are now in a year where everybody thought that they should be tanking and rebuilding. No, they're going to make the playoffs. They're they're a nice team, and yet they're still cultivating their young talent, and they've got a lot to look forward to over the next few years, and then even down the road past that with all the draft assets they have. Unless Houston wins a title either this year, maybe next year, what do they have to look forward to? And that, that's those are the two differing philosophies that you have at play here. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And, look, I'm not saying that there's any right answer, um, you know, whether you should – push all your chips uh, to the middle, whether you should hold back something in just a little bit, just in case. I don't know what the right answer is. I just think it's fascinating because again, um, you know, Oklahoma city has been 
you know, the, a share of the, the butt of jokes out there for, frankly, I, I think a situation that was largely misunderstood. Uh, OKC is planning, um, you know, at how they sort of planned out that, that Kevin Durant era. But, um, you know, it's fascinating that, you know, people sort of jumped all over OKC for being cheap and trading James Harden. And now you've got Houston with James Harden in his prime. And they're sort of like, yeah, do we really need that extra part? I don't know. <laughs> you know it's, it's, uh, it's just interesting. Yeah, when it's your money, it's a little bit different, I guess. It's it's harder. It is. It's harder to throw stones. But I guess with Oklahoma City towards the trade deadline, you already mentioned Atlanta gets Clint Capella, so that does take them out of the Stephen Adams uh, ta- um, trade potential destination. Or maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe they decide to go all in and go super huge. Just go the other direction. No, I don't know. Please, somebody do something <laughs> weird like that. Just I, I. There just needs to be polar opposites in on either side of the of of the NBA. There needs to be polar opposites. This this small stuff is getting a little old, a little too fast. But uh, we'll see what Houston does. Maybe other people will start copying it. Maybe other people won't. But now yeah. with Stephen Adams. I don't know about you, John. I just I never really bought either the Atlanta talk. The only thing that ever made sense to me was Boston. But then at the same time, when I would think about it, I'd never thought Boston would be willing to give up either a Gordon Hayward or especially a young asset like a Jalen Brown. I didn't think that they'd be about that. And that's the only way I could see Sam Presti willingly wanting to get away from Steven Adams is to get a young asset in addition to maybe some draft assets down the road. So it never really seemed realistic to me. But like, what were you thinking um, the days leading up to this trade going down, uh, which essentially killed Atlanta's chances? And now it's only Boston, but at this point it's not really looking like Steven Adams is going to be moved at all. Yeah, you know, I, I was looking at Atlanta like, well, what are they willing to give up? Because, like, you know, a first-round pick in Chandler Parsons was not going to be enough, right? There needed to be a valuable – one of their young assets. I don't know whether that was, you know, Kevin Herter. I didn't know if that was Cam Reddish or even John Collins. And it could be that there was just an impasse there. Maybe OKC was asking for one and, you know, Atlanta wasn't willing to offer and they went the other way. So I didn't discount it because I think Adams makes some sense there. But I like Capella in that situation too. So that just you know, kind of goes to show how teams, you know, when, when you have multiple options, it's kind of nice. You can pivot like that. So, uh, but we'll see about Boston. I, when you look at them, you mentioned Hayward. That's one path, but I think that's a multi-team trade to make that work. Or you're looking at something with like Marcus Smart and packaging some other guys. I don't know if Boston wants to do that. So it, it may just be that the numbers just don't work in that case. Yeah, it, it, it seems too convoluted. And at the same time, like Steven Adams makes a lot of sense with the Thunder. And I think his ceiling as a player, I think, is fully realized if he stays with Oklahoma City because he's going to be so integral to the development of these younger players. He's going to be so integral to uh, not just the defense, but adding that pick-and-roll element, adding what he brings to the table when he's when he's healthy. When he's not healthy, he doesn't really bring that much to the table offensively. The <laughs> defense is always there, but... Um, he sets your culture in the locker room. That's what you want to. That's what you want to emulate yourself after um, as a professional. How he conducts himself, how he comes to practice and games every day. I feel like that his value is just fully realized in Oklahoma City, rather than just being. He doesn't strike me as the type of player that puts a a title contender over the top. If that makes sense. I've you know I thought for a long time that he was going to be the next Nick Collison. That he was going to be the you know, sort of the culture setter. He's a better Nick Collison. Always, no disrespect to Nick Collison. Yeah. He's a better Nick Collison. 
no doubt, no doubt. And I mean, a lot of people just just get heartburn over his contract sometimes. But you know, there's one year left on that extension. I think he's probably uh, someone on his next contract that's I don't know. He could make like you know four years and half as much as he signed for yeah. last you know that last extension. So in other words, I, I think I think he's a good money fit. I think he's a good you know culture fit. Um, you know, but but I can understand if OKC is like we need to you know. Uh, turn over every stone here and make sure we're not overlooking something. Um, but I think OKC had a high asking price on Adams for a good reason, you know, for all these things that we're talking about. He does bring a lot of value. He does help a team win basketball games. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. No, that's exactly what Presti should be doing. That's that's what he should be doing with everybody not named Shea Gildas Alexander. Sure, you can have right. this player. Everybody wants Chris Paul. They're not willing to give sure. up X, Y, and Z for Chris Paul or Danilo Gallinari. If you want to give us everything, um, a good young – a good – player on an expiring deal a young asset and then draft assets sure go ahead and have them but no one's going to do that at this point with especially with the 2021 free agency coming up um you don't really want to be tied down financially to a a center that can't stretch the floor but i guess moving away from steven adams the other thing that kind of moved the needle for thunder fans last night was minnesota was that was another team involved in that four-team deal they've moved on from shabazz napier and john they basically need a backup point guard now, or a starting point guard, excuse me. Um, yes. They are interested, obviously, in D'Angelo Russell. Golden State seems to be asking for a um, hefty asking price. Um, if they're not able to get a deal for D'Angelo Russell, the logic within point two, well, the Thunder have a backup point guard who's good enough to be a starting point guard in Dennis Schroeder. And I've always thought uh-huh. over the last month or so, that if anybody big was moved from Oklahoma City, it would be Dennis Schroeder. But gun to my head, I didn't think that Dennis Schroeder would be moved at the end of the day. So, I mean, where do you lie on that uh, potential scenario? I mean, I think it still bears watching. I, I don't have my, I don't have the numbers in front of me, so I, I'm trying to figure out like what Minnesota could put together that would make sense. I mean, maybe, maybe Jarrett Culver is is part of a package to make that work. I would assume um, be, uh, Culver would be involved. Yeah. And but then I, you know, especially after last night's, you know, 48 player trade, I'm not entirely sure, like, you know, uh, does, what all does Minnesota have? Does Who Jared Culver they... still play for the Timberwolves, anybody? It's <laughs> <laughs> a, a valid question. Um, you know, not only that, but, um, uh, like, you know, who can who can Minnesota re-aggregate in a trade? In other words, uh, usually when when a team is over the salary cap and they use an exception to acquire a player via trade, they can't package that guy 
uh, you know, for 60 days. Like there's some other trade restrictions that come into place. Point being, I'm not even sure what Minnesota is left with right now. And then correct me if I'm wrong. They have a game tonight, right? I think so. I saw the schedule earlier today. Shame on me. I should remember better. Okay. Well, no, no, that, that, I mean, that's okay. I think they have a game tonight. I don't know how many guys they have available to suit up, but, you know, I, I guess it'd be fine if you get to Thursday. They need to get through tonight's game without making a trade <laughs> because they still have to suit up dudes to play tonight. Yeah. Um, it's really fascinating. But anyway, back to Schroeder. Look, I, I mean, I think he makes a lot of sense in, in a place like Minnesota, but, you know, can can the parts line up? Can OKC get what they you know, want in return for him for a guy who's been really valuable off the bench for them this season. Minnesota does play tonight. They play the Hawks in Minneapolis. Oh, so, weird. So that is, that is weird. <laughs> <laughs> they were all in the yeah. same place. M- most of yeah. these teams, they were all in the same place. No, no, um, no, no, no. Evan, Evan locker room is over there. No, no, don't go in that one. <laughs> well, it can't go be, to that one. It can't be as bad as what Portland had to go through a few weeks ago when they came to Oklahoma city and they literally did not have, eight guys to suit up but they had to like force somebody who was probably sick or hurt hey we need you to put a jersey on we're not going to play right. you but we have to put out eight guys that are available to go yeah you you have to suit up eight guys even if two of those guys can't go or three <laughs> of those guys can't go uh you still have to suit up eight guys so anyway that's it to me that's I, i'm always looking for oddities like that in sports and that's one that always kind of you know I don't know, interest me. Hey, no, no, but I know nobody cares about my high school basketball play, um, playing career. But my freshman year, um, we had two two guys get hurt. One guy was sick, and another guy had to go on a uh, emergency family uh, vacation. It wasn't a vacation. I think his grandmother had passed away. Unfortunately, we only had uh, five guys to play, and I oh. guess I guess they didn't have the rule that you have to have eight. Because we literally just played five, we played all five for the entire game. I've never been more exhausted in my entire life. It was I awful. imagine it was awful. Um, yeah, I guess with it, it's it's interesting though because I mean I don't know like there's a part of me that doesn't want to see Dennis Schroeder traded away from this team because of what he's been able to do for his career and just kind of the re- reputation uh, building uh, coming from Atlanta and kind of the. I guess the reputation that he had with the Hawks now that he had um, has been with Oklahoma city for now two years uh, l- being one of the more uh, uh, being one of the leaders in the six man of the year race this year. I wrote about that. Um, everybody, you can read that at the franchiseok.com if you want. Um, it, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what Minnesota wants to do philosophically because I guess they're not mathematically out of the eight seed at the same time you add Dennis Schroeder, does that put them like what does that do to the, what does that it makes them better but what does that do yeah you know i i don't know maybe it sets you up for for next season but then Schroeder's in the last year of its contract um i i don't know clearly minnesota needs to do stuff and i still think i mean look they have been all over d'angelo russell since last summer you know i don't know what exactly the holdup is there but maybe minnesota eventually just breaks because you know gerson rosas who's running the team now who came from Houston, has an appreciation for star players. He's talked about this recently. So, you know, maybe eventually he'll relent because, you know, D'Angelo Russell's a better player than Dennis Schroeder. Maybe he goes that way um, in, in the end because you're right. I mean, Dennis Schroeder is as good of a player as he has been. Um, I, You know, I, I, is, he, is he the missing piece next to Carl Anthony Towns? I kind of doubt it. I mean, he's a nice guy to have on your team, but I don't think he's that second dude. 
And I think that is what you know, Minnesota is all about finding at this point. And so I guess, like, if, if there was a gun to your head, John, do you think Oklahoma City does anything at the trade deadline if you had to put a yes or no on it? anything? Bi- let's just say anything big. I was going to say, I think they're going to do something. I mean, on, on, a, on our last Dream Team pod, uh, there was an over-under 1.5 trades. I said over, mostly to be contrarian, because I knew everyone else was going to say under. Um, and then I pointed out, like, you know, look, they can make two trades involving Deontay Burton and Abdul Nader. That's two trades. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like they're going to do, at a minimum, something like that. Maybe it's, you know, moving one of those guys to open up some salary space so they can convert Dort's contract to an NBA contract. Um, as far as anything more significant, I don't know. I mean, I, my, my hunch says no. My hunch says that, you know, the climate's just not going to be there. Uh, I think Barry Trammell, uh, he wrote an interesting piece that pointed out, like, all of you know, Sam's blockbusters come in the summer, right? Yeah. Um, there, have been, there have been a couple of big moves during the season, but like the really significant ones tend to come in the off season. So um, I am, I'm leaning towards that. There's much more likely to be some reshuffling at the back end of the roster than there is at the front end. Yeah. Haven't the biggest like in season deals been obviously top of Cephalosha when the thunder in, in their first year when they were bad. So not, it wasn't and, a big needle mover at the time, but it eventually. No. Be- and, and, and that was, I mean, just north of acquiring Isaiah Roby in terms of impact. Like, Shri- yeah. like Cephalosha was, uh, he had, like Chicago had made a couple other trades, I think for John Salmons and a couple other guys that really pushed him back in the rotation. Uh, and, and OKC swooped in and picked him up. But, I mean, at the time, I mean, that wasn't like, no one really expected he was going to turn into like an all-defense type guy at that point. Yeah. And then you're looking at like the trade that never was with Tyson Chandler, um, that yeah. probably would have been the biggest in-season deal. And then, of right. course, I think Dion Waiters, that was like an early – that wasn't at the trade deadline. That was early right. on. Right, that, that was in January, January. sometime. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, um, oh, oh, what's his name? What's his name? Uh, during Russell's MVP year. Oh, I can't think of his name. Oh, Taj Gibson. Kyle Singler. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Insert yeah. Thunder player here. You know, speaking of right. this – um, if in, inside the NBA wants to be like a large, like just a large annoyance to Charles Barkley, they should play who he play for with just the players involved in this four team deal. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. It's going to be a nightmare. That is, that is I, great. And I guess one more question before I get you out of here, John, because of speaking of Isaiah Roby, that deal that went down, uh, what was it last week or so, or 10 days ago, um, the Thunder mm-hmm. is still just a hair above the tax line. Do you see that being a potential move that the team could make that, okay, let's just go ahead and duck the tax right now. They're, they're 800 or so thousand dollars above right now. So um, that would be like a Deontay Burton goodbye, which I don't want to see personally. But, I mean, is, right. that, is that a potential? Is that a possibility that you see moving forward? Or is this team just kind of resigned to, we thought we were going to be a luxury tax team going into the season. Oh, well. You know, I, I kind of think it's the latter because, I mean, that $800,000 over the tax line, if if that was the final tax bill, then that is a $2 million tax bill, right? That is, that's not that significant in the grand scheme yeah. of things, considering this team paid, I think, $62 million in luxury tax last year, right? So um, I, I tend to think, like, I don't think they're going out of their way. I don't think they're doing Houston things, <laughs> right, to throw in a first-round <laughs> pick and, and dump guys, but... Um, on the other hand, when you're that close, you know, sometimes ownership says, yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't mind if that's going to save me, 
two, three million dollars. You know, why, why don't you go ahead and make that happen? I, I don't know that the Thunder have ever really done that. I mean, may, I, I, I take that back. When, I can't um, think of anything. Well, when they and I understand why they did this. It was when they traded um, uh, DJ Augustine and Steve Novak to Denver and they got back. Um, oh, my gosh. Randy Foy. Oh, and, uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. But like that one, like, you know, again, he was a total end of the bench guy that wasn't going to contribute. And that saved them like ten million dollars by doing that. So I kind of get that. Um, so, yeah, about the tax. I tend to think it's not going to be I don't think it's going to be real high on the list of of drivers like, you know, again, I think it's going to be does this make our team better now? Does it make our team better later? Um, you know, there's going to be some other factors that come in before they hit the financial aspect. Right. So yeah. um, that's kind of where I'm leaning. It's not that big of a deal. And then also too, think about this. So there's a couple of benefits to being out of the luxury tax. One of them is, you know, you reset the repeater tax clock. Well, OKC is going to be out of the tax for the foreseeable future. I mean, this is that's just the way it's going to lie. Yeah. So whether it happens this year or next year doesn't really matter. The other benefit is that then you get uh, part of the luxury tax collection from other teams. But this year, like that rebate is probably going to be well under $1 million. I mean, there's just not many teams paying luxury tax. So in other words, there's not some like $10 million payout if you get under the luxury tax line that that's waiting for him. So for a number of reasons, I don't think it's going to be a huge driver. Having said all that, I wouldn't be shocked if at the end of the day, by the end of the regular season, they were under. Well, John, don't you know that small markets can't survive paying taxes? <laughs> they, they just can't. Oh, oh yeah, the Thunder are like one of the more profitable organizations yeah. in the entire league. Oh, 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 oh well, facts. Yeah, and like, uh, and like, I, I, I don't know. I know this is a popular topic. I'm much more concerned about you know, how the billionaire owners pay, you know, taxes in society than in regards to their sports teams. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a bigger concern for me. Um, and, and I'm also much more, I, I put much more of an onus on the bigger markets than the small markets, right? Because they yeah. just have, they just have more revenue streams available to them and people can jump up and down and say, these are billionaires, they can afford anything. Right. But at the end of the day, it's a business. And, you know, they're going to treat it as such. I, I know very, very few owners across most pro sports that look at their teams like yachts, like something flashy. Like these are all investment vehicles for them. So they are going to limit what they put in there. But again, big markets have um, they have more resources available to make that happen. John, are you going to be braving the snow and the elements to go to the Cavs game tonight? I think so. Uh, looking around my neighborhood, I mean, my, my roads are, are pretty clear. I understand we have another uh, smaller wave of snow coming in later. And, of course, you've got that refreezing aspect. But, uh, yeah, I, I, matter of fact, I think I'm on pregame show tonight, so I guess I have to get out of the house. <laughs> yes. Pregame show starts at 6, 107.7 The Franchise, 107.9 The Franchise in Tulsa. And like I always say, if you're out of the market because you listen to this podcast outside of Oklahoma, please download 107.7 The Franchise's app so you can hear John – uh, Jerry Ramsey, Dave Garrett's on the pregame show, and then of course the Franchise Thunder Insider Show from on Saturday mornings from 10 a.m. to noon. That's the three of us: uh, Jerry Ramsey, John Hamm, and I, and Madison Morris. That I also do the OKC 82 podcast with. Um, but enough plugging, John. Is there anything that you need to plug moving forward before I get you out of here? No, I think you hit all the all the big topics earlier. Uh, my radio work, my podcast work. 
whenever whenever my brain feels like crafting something, I'll probably uh, get some written words up on the franchise website soon. So, um, you know, that, that may be something else in the pipeline. Awesome. Looking forward to it, John. Thank you so much for uh, jumping on Locked on Thunder, and hopefully your um, child has been found. Oh, no, I found him. Yeah, Ooh. we're good. We're good. I, I have I have eyes on boy as we speak, so we are good. <laughs> awesome. All right, John, I'll see you tonight. Thank you so much for jumping on. All right, thanks, Brady. And... Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.